Welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast with me, Kathy Love. I'm a business coach who helps allied health professionals run powerful and profitable businesses in the disability sector. Join me for cutting-edge interviews with leaders in the allied health and business fields, along with plenty of practical content that you can use to make your business practice perfect. Witten is in front of me on the Zoom screen and is today's podcast guest. Welcome, welcome. Thanks, Cathy. Thank you for having me. Pleasure, pleasure. We're just going to banish the nerves first and yes. foremost. Yeah, sounds good. So occupational therapist extraordinaire, business owner extraordinaire. Do you introduce yourself as the director of Focus on Function or something else? Um, no, I don't. I want to. <laughs> I'm going to be brave enough one day to do that. Um, but no, if people ask me what I do, I just introduce myself as an occupational therapist. Um, it's very telling because I phone a lot of people and I'm intrigued at people's voice messages. Yes. So I know who they are when they phone. And just like you, they may be the director of a, an amazing growing business. And they, their voice message is probably years old. I think mine's probably a bit dusty. And they're an occupational therapist. and. Yes. Yep. So my badge says occupational therapist. Um, oh, does it? It does. It does. Well, I suppose when I'm out in the world seeing clients, that's what I am. Um, but yeah, no, I have, I have that, you know, I have heard other podcast guests talk about this transition of changing how you introduce yourself. Mm. And I just haven't got there yet, but it's in, it's in the processing of my head. And I've, you know, listened to other business owners talk and thought, yes, I really should do that. But um at this stage in business development, I'm still introducing myself as an occupational therapist. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk a bit about how you're using your time because you're getting phenomenal things done. Tell us about the Focus on Function team right now, right? February, what are we in? February 2022. What does it yeah. look like? Yeah. So there's seven of us. Um, so five OTs, that's including me. Here I am again. Mm-hmm. In the that's okay. world. Uh, so five OTs and then there's a practice manager who's um, on her third day today. So she's very new to the team. And then there's one customer services officer. Um, What's that like? You need a pretty oh, big meeting table nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good fun. Um, the team's great value and um, we all seem to get along quite well. And, um, no, it's good fun. Mm. And what did the business look like 12, 13 months ago? Um, so in January 2021, I kind of had the idea of I might. I basically was working really hard as a sole trader and I thought I either need to go big or wind this back big time. So I just texted a few friends um, who were OTs and a wonderful OTs who I've thought highly of for a long time and said, um, do you want to have a go at doing some work for me, basically. That's how it went. And they said, yep, mm-hmm. and we agreed to maybe a couple of referrals um, a month. I think a couple of referrals a fortnight was another one. And then I asked um, our admin support, would she do a couple of hours a week for admin support? 
and it just rapidly grew from there. Um, the admin support's doing about 20 hours a week now um, and the OT, the clinical team's growing significantly. And those casual OTs that were doing two to three referrals, that never happened. No one ever got two to three referrals. It was There was a big waiting list. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, so the growth has been rapid and exciting and tiring and um, long nights and hard work, but lots of fun. I have really, really loved it, um, but definitely have probably worked the hardest I've ever worked in my whole life to get things where they are now. Mm, yeah. yeah. I think uh, I know your comment about recruitment by text has probably not been lost on anybody's ears because the way you've recruited has been spectacular. People are now coming to you and you've got people in the wings. So we perhaps need to describe where you are and who your clients are to really kind of understand how cool that is. Yeah, yep. So we're based in rural New South Wales. The hub of focus on function is in Gunnedah, which is about an hour north of Tamworth. Um, and we cover Tamworth, uh, Gunnedah and Narrabri. So Gunnedah is based in the middle and we go about 100 k's kind of circumference mm. um, uh, around the countryside, about 100 k's around. Um, we serve adults with a variety of disabilities um, from physical to neurological, psychosocial, cognitive, lots of different types of um, limitations. And we work under four main funding bodies, um, the NDIS, CTP, iCare and Workers' Comp. Hmm. So occupational therapists, they're not super, super thick on the ground, but there does seem to be a little bit of movement and people wanting something different from the health system or whatever other systems they're, they're in. Yeah, yep. I think maybe in rural New South Wales, in my experience, there hasn't been many opportunities for adult caseload mm. OTs um, other than public health or um, health-wise, like the Division of General Practice kind of federal funded services. Um, yeah, so this is we provide an opportunity for OTs who love working with adults um, to come on board with the private practice ride. So that's been exciting. And, yeah, I have been very fortunate to um, attract some incredible therapists who are amazing at their job and they seem to keep attracting more incredible therapists. So it's, it's wonderful. Mm. What do you think it is about, OTs wanting to kind of change roles and, and work for smaller and emerging businesses. What, what are your thoughts? Like when you're at the bottom of that glass of wine, what, what do you reckon it's about? Yeah, that's happened more than once. Um, I think it's a glass, not bottle. Yeah, that's right. Either way, I'm okay. Um, I think it's about, um, you know, having a great idea and being able to implement it. And we just implement it. We just, yep, that's a great idea. Let's create a system. Let's create a template. Let's mm -hmm. do it. And let's, whereas in big systems like public health, that's kind of quite difficult to do and maybe um, you don't feel as well supported. Um, so it's that creativity. It's the flexibility. It's, you know, embracing change and going with it. Um, so I think that's been, and the flexible work practices as well, you know, if you yeah. need to finish at three every Tuesday because of family commitments, that's, you know, we can work around that. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think it's part of um, just wanting a, a little bit more change and sometimes wanting more meaningful work or work that kind of works around lifestyle as well and sort of out of the committees and the meetings and <laughs> 
you know, back to the future of kind of doing your craft and making a difference that you can see and kind of feel. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really, um, I suppose with your support as well, really focused, like a very positive um, culture of being proud of what we do and we do great work. And, yes, there's lots of head-banging moments and there's lots of of frustrations, but we we debrief and we move on and we focus on the awesome things that we do do and the amazing impact we have on the participants and the families and the community. And I think that culture is, well, I would, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, the culture is really important to me, and maybe that's um, what people are seeking as well. It's just that direct line of sight, that direct line of impact, that shortest mm. route through to improving someone's life. I think, um, you know, work's important, but it needs to kind of make a difference as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And most of us therapists lined up to make a difference in people's yeah. lives. We didn't go in this field for. Um, well, basically, that's what we wanted to do. So I'm really keen on, you know, keeping all of our business processes with that vision of this is let's make good service provisions so we can have the most impact in people's lives. Mm. So you spoke earlier of a pretty steep 12 months. Mm. <laughs> I aged rapidly. But anyway. Have you aged rapidly? Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Um, what was it about those 12 months that, was challenging slashing a little bit exciting what what was it absolutely everything absolutely um, everything okay yeah. we'll just pull everything apart there yeah. i my um the best way i explain it to anybody is i completely underestimated every single aspect of this um mm. and i'm really open about that and now i just accept it <laughs> because that's just I like it, we could talk about from the little things to the big things, um, you know, from recruitment to finding an office to like everything has taken longer and has been um, a more of a challenge than I originally anticipated. But in saying that, I've loved the challenge and really thought I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it well, and I'm going to do it the right way. And um, so. Yeah, I've underestimated every single aspect. I've underestimated the time it's taken to reduce yeah. my clinical load. That's been a big impact mm. on my workload. Um, but, yeah, everything's been a challenge. And there's been blood, sweat and tears and wine. There's been all of those things. But mm. I have 90% of the time absolutely loved it. I thought, yes, I want to do this. I'm going to do it and do it the best I can. So, oh, it's just that toxic 10%. Yeah. That's okay. If you're not challenged and pushed, you know, you don't kind of develop and go forward with it. Yeah. And you're kind of pretty focused and quick and decisive. I'll take out the pretty. You're very focused, quick and decisive. And so it then trips into frustrating that, you know, 12 properties later, why isn't there a such and such that I can kind of step into? And Mm. And so I think as OTs, we're particularly good at just unpacking the project and seeing all of the parts. And we think about how long it would take us us to do it. And then there's all the other humans and their geography and the weather and the rest of it. We sort of don't factor the environment into our well-laid plans that we've got in front of us. That's right. That's right. Yes. Um, Yeah. Need to follow the system and get the job done. But sometimes there's things that impact that. Yeah, you've built in a ton of systems. So let's maybe start with some of your HR and your your people systems. So mm. from the get-go, you were very, very determined to get it correct mm. and um, learn all of that. So what 
what were your kind of early steps with that? Um, so I think you suggested the systemology book to me. Yeah. Um, so I bought that. The instant when you suggested it, I just bought it online at that I know. Moment. You get it like 48 hours later. Yeah. I, just I don't know how it. they do it. Like um, and I downloaded the podcast, yep. um, systemology podcast. So I'd listen to um, ideas of how people would do things while I was, you know, folding washing or ironing some mm. uniforms and that kind of stuff. Um, and then I just started doing it. Like I really liked the philosophy that doesn't need to be perfect or, um, you know, how you want to finish it. Just start documenting it. Yeah. So I just said to the team, like said to the customer support, can you document how you intake a referral? Um, you know, write a recipe. And I just found the word recipe really worked well with my team. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's like cooking a cake. You don't have to do it the exact same way every single time. But if I need to, if someone else needs to do intake, they've got some steps to follow. Um, yeah, so I suppose HR recruitment, like I've kind of got a just a documented system or a checklist or a bit of a flow chart or a recipe on how we do things. And those things is just never going to be finished. We're always going to be trying to improve them and update them. Um, yeah, yes. I get a little alarmed when I hear all our systems are done and finished. I'm going, oh, gosh, I'm going to be out of date within three months. Yep, yep. And I think you just have to go, yep, this is never going to be finished the, the, with the it's idea. Forever task. Yes. And always trying to improve things. Um, it's just never finished. But um, starting, just make a start and get them documented. Um, mm. And as they come up as well, so yeah. so yeah. we've got a um, team member going on maternity leave, so handing over clients to another participants to another OT. So I just got her to document that. So how do you change the what changes need to be made on the case management software system and timeframes and all that kind of stuff. So we didn't worry about that system until we needed to do it. Yeah, and that's just yeah, well. context is everything for that sort of stuff. And um, as it comes up, you just kind of pull it apart, put it back together in a good order, mm. train some, yeah, do some training videos, and you're kind of good to to good to go. So you kind of, I don't know if I'm putting words into your mouth, but are you starting to shift the whole team towards a systems thinking team? Yeah. Yep. They. Mm. Yep. I get teased a little bit in the team about systems. Are you really? That's me. <laughs> harassment all light-hearted um no no because we will think of something for example the priority tool we we're talking about the other day yeah. and i um said well we need a system and everyone had a little giggle but they all agree they love it yeah and i was a little bit nervous with extremely ex- experienced very clever clinicians kind yeah. of saying oh this is how we're going to do it but they really embraced it and loved the direction and loved the clear communication about what was required, when it was required, what template we're going to use. And it was all done very collaboratively and, you know, this is never going to be finished. We're always, you know, come with any great idea at any time and we'll update it. And I really respond to that. If they say, oh, the template's missing this, Lou, I just do it. I'm like, yep, that's a great idea. Yeah. Or we work together on how we're going to add that. So, the, yes, the team have embraced it. Um, all, you know, we're all pretty, um, you know, lighthearted and there's a few jokes about how I create a system for everything. Um, <laughs> but I do. Yeah, I wear that badge of honour. Yes. Are you, I know you're a few months into this. Are you getting a sense of the benefits of having all these systems on the roll? Yes. Yes. 
slowly. It's slow. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of hard work and a slow benefit, yeah. but it's coming through. It's kind of like the templates, which are a form of a system, I suppose, for our reports. Um, I'm seeing a lot of benefit from that because there's such clear direction when new therapists come on board of what's required mm. from that assessment and what the funding body needs to hear to get this for this person. Um, so, yes, it is, but it was a lot of hard slog um, and then the benefits are slowly rolling in. Yeah. But those benefits will continue forever. Um, yep. Yeah. But, yeah, it definitely wasn't an immediate benefit. Yeah. I guess we can kind of predict that you'll be asked less questions or there'll be less. If you've got 10 minutes, can I just check something off with you? You know, there'll be less of those doorstop chats. Yeah. And that's a part of the aim of setting up a business that will run really well and not dependent on me. Yeah. Um, the next step is how to store and how to easily find all these wonderful documented systems. And how they kind of arrive in day-to-day workflows as well. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That is the next phase. That's good. That's good fun. Yeah. A bit more technology in your future. Yes. Yeah. And then what about your wonderful, wonderful team? If we go back to uh, 2021, you know, you, you just had people joining constantly. What time did you learn about HR and just going to say position descriptions. I don't want to. I don't want to upset you, but <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> learn about all of that. You're okay. Okay. Yeah. Good morning. What did you learn about all of that? Oh, everything. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely everything. I um, that goes well within the theme of underestimating mm. um, factors of business. So I think the first position description I wrote took me, I don't know, a long time. Yes. Yeah about the hours um, and I had a lot of input, input from yourself with that which was great but now I can whip one up quite quickly and easily I just kind of mm. have the framework and I've got the understanding of the KPIs and um, and HR was a whole new world to me yeah. um, as you know I was a public health employee and then I went to being a sole trader so um it was a whole new world. So I just engaged a specialist to guide me through it. Mm. It was my strategy. <laughs> Path of least resistance because yep. there's a lot to it. There is. Lot there to is. It. And once I worked out how much there was to it, I thought, thank God I've just paid someone else to do this because I, I don't have the skills or the time to do that. Um, I'll just pay someone else to do it. Yeah. But imagine the sleep at night factor if you didn't have that stuff squared away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, new team members have, the onboarding process for team members has improved significantly in the 13 months that we've been, existed. Um, and I've focused a lot more on the HR platform with that. Um, and they've, you know, been very impressed as well and thought it was great. Good. Yeah. So I was like, oh, yes, that is very impressive. Yeah. So that's been good. Um, but I suppose with something like HR, my my philosophy would be to definitely I'm responsible and, um, mm. you know, need to be a part of it but just engage a specialist to do it. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the financial bit. And we don't have to talk about the numbers. We just have to have deep breath. And who knew that, you know, people had to be productive and bills had to be paid? Well, of course we knew. But, um, yeah, good learnings on that front as well. Yep. Incredible. I remember in about March last year, I asked a dancing mum at the front of a dance lesson that our daughters were in how to look up a profit and loss statement. 
Good. And now takes a, takes a tribe. Yep. And now I'm, you know, I once again I just underestimated that, but I'm absolutely loving the numbers and love, um, you know, kind of um, just really simplifying it and implementing it into our daily practice um, and our billable impact and. Um, yeah, regular meetings with bookkeepers about how things are tracking, what we need to work on, that kind of stuff is. Oh, big. it's very, uh, very important to have cool cat skilled bookkeepers because that stuff can go so wrong so quick, and then you, oh, sweating bullets detangling it, and can take yeah, ton of that, ton yeah. of stress. I've definitely made lots of mistakes, but one thing I did do well was engage the bookkeepers quite yeah. early and just. Yeah. Get, pay some pay an expert to do that. Yeah. So, what are the sort of numbers that you look at across a week, across a month? As in financial numbers? Yeah, just business numbers, because there's more numbers than, you know, the financials. What else do you kind of look at? Where does your eye go? Um, so, I keep an eye on the intake of referrals. Mm. So, just to make sure there's, I mean, they're highs and lows. Um, in that, it's pretty consistently okay there's you know there's a waiting list happening Mm. it's not alarmingly concerning but just to see where they're coming from like what funding body and the geography of where they're coming from and those kind of things um I keep an eye on how the the individual team members are tracking with their caseload and also their billable impact so we've been monitoring that quite closely um and lots of support and education regarding that because that's been new to all of our team members uh, so I meet with the bookkeepers once a month to track on to, to keep a track mm. of the profit and loss statement. Um, you know where where's money going out, coming mm. in, and then I've also been meeting with um, the budget guy from the bookkeeping service because mm-hmm. I'm asking questions like um, if I if I employ another experienced um, OT who's wanting to be paid a higher rate, how do I do that financially um, to be sensible and yeah. make it viable and profitable and those kind of things? Um, so I love numbers. I've always mm. had an interest in, you know, investing and those kind of things. So I've, I've loved that bit. I like um, um, and I've become a little bit of an Excel whiz, which I'm a little really? bit. Really? Queen of the spreadsheet? Of. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, it's very basic, but my skills have improved. Just got to work. It doesn't have to be complex to yes. be meaningful and helpful to make it help make decisions. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I would say with my numbers, all of those numbers are brought to me. I don't collect those numbers. Um, so that's been another good little thing I've um, had to, you know, outsource and get people to bring those numbers to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then there's kind of numbers that sit across the team. Like you've got a, a wonderful team of OTs and customer support staff, but there's numbers kind of sitting un, under that as well. How have you kind of led those conversations about billable impact and mm. making a difference? Yep, that, that has been a, a, a challenge. Um, most of my team have a community health or public health background, mm. so billable impact um, is kind of a new concept to us all, including me. And I didn't manage it well initially when we started in, you know, I didn't manage it well until about July, August 2021, to be really honest. That was a, a big error on my behalf. Um, so what we've done is lots of education and support about the billable impact from all different levels, from, you know, the government levels to the community levels, families, participants and those kind of things about 
how we need to bill for our high quality, great services. So all of those levels know what it takes, that it takes, you know, 15 hours to script a complex power wheelchair for a person and to do the funding application and those kind of things. Um, so lots of education and support to the team, um, lots of forward planning. So we've been doing some monthly challenges um, and this challenge in February, we've got um, Love What You Do um, for Valentine's theme. So basically the summary of the challenge is if everyone hits their billable target, so um, we've got an early, th- early graduate therapist who's recently started, so her target's a bit different to the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so if everyone hits their target, we're going to donate uh, $300 to the Dylan Alcott Foundation. Oh, love that of- project. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of a community-minded team-building thing as well, and a little bit they, they seem to it, we seem to respond to a bit of a challenge and love mm-hmm. that idea of like, yeah, let's get it, let's smash it, and then let's make that donation and let's celebrate that. Yeah. Um, oh, that's great. That's mm-hmm. great. I'm just visualizing the thermometer on the office wall of billable hours. Is that what you total up? Creeping up. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So we've done, yeah, we did a charity based one for a local charity in um, Christmas, uh, sorry, in December for Christmas. Um, yeah. So we've done a couple and they seem to work well. Um, but yeah, just, just support and being really positive about it and making sure that um, people have got the tools and the systems so they can meet those targets. There's yeah. plenty of work. There's no concerns of work. It's the tools and the systems to provide efficient yep. services. Yeah. To get that flow and reduce the friction mm. yeah yep and your team days have been running really well yeah yep I love our team days so we have a team <laughs> day um this will only be our third one in the end of February uh, but we have a team day once a term so it's basically half a day mm. um, and it's kind of big picture planning stuff um and we have, you know, have morning tea together. Then we do about three or four hours worth of work and then we have a nice lunch together and then it's finished basically. So we really come up with an action list from that mm. um, and the action list from the, sorry, it was October last year. We did it in OT week to celebrate OT week together as well. So the October 2021 action list is up in the office in town so that's um you know together we will and we can nearly cross a few things well we can cross a few things off that already yeah oh that's very cool so if you think um if you think back over the last year and a bit is there anything you would have done differently (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) yes and I often think of that but I've stopped thinking about that because I think, well, I've just this is just mm. where I am and this is just mm. what's happened. What I would have done, Kathy, if I had a crystal ball, I would have got admin support in for me when I was a sole trader. Ah, yes. I would have, that would have helped me kind of think more yeah. systems or, you know, better communication because one of the underlying um, factors that have impacted me in the last 12 months is that because I've been a sole trader it's all been in my head Um, so getting all of these great things out of my head has been time consuming and hard work to be honest Mm. Um, so what I would have done is I would have got um, admin support um, and oh look there's probably a billion things I would have done differently but I've just had to live and learn and move on with it. And, um, yeah, I think I have 
I found out really quickly quickly I needed a lot of support, like bookkeeping, HR, coaching, those kind of things. I really needed that um, and accounting and um, but there's a billion things I would do differently. Mm. But it is what it is. And I've just Yeah. No regrets. No, onboarding team members, I really mm-hmm. did that horrendously bad in the beginning. I was just like, yeah, let's just tell them. Yeah, we did it over a glass of wine. Like mm. it was just really <laughs> Okay. Oh, that is cash. That is very cash. Super cash. Yeah. I've interviewed over a glass of wine. I don't know that I've onboarded over a glass of wine. Perhaps I oh, have. I didn't. Yeah, my experience as an employee, I've never experienced a great onboarding system, so I had no value. I don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So now we really prioritise that, and we have a great onboarding curriculum. And um, but yeah, exactly. I didn't know what I didn't know, so I couldn't have done it really. A chat over a glass of wine was my best strategy in February 2021. Well, for retention, they're still with you, so right. all is not lost. Right. Right. They are still with me. So I didn't. I wasn't that bad, but we actually laugh now at, um, you know, we just giggle as a team. Like, remember when you said this? And, you know, it's, it's just funny to reflect. And you think, gosh, that was only 12 months ago I said mm. that. Yeah. 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 So what does your, like you mentioned at the start, you're still doing OT work, but you're systemizing like crazy and you're working with all sorts of other advisors and the like. What what does your week look like? Like how does it all fit in? Yeah. <laughs> or have you got it some magical eight-day week? No, no. no? you got the same 24-7 like every, all the other mere mortals? Yes, yes. So what I try and do is three days clinical and two days business mm. is what I try and do. Um, so Tuesdays are my business day. Um, so I really, well, I don't respond. I don't write any reports. I don't um, see any clients. And you wouldn't believe it that I have Tuesdays really systemised as to what I do. <laughs> <laughs> that static diary. Yeah. Oh, well, we're going so crashing today. Never mind. Yes. Oh, no, that's okay. That's okay. This is important. So I try and do one kind of focused strategy, one thing that's going to make, one task that's going to make a big impact. Yeah. And then finance is big on the list and team support is big on the list. And they're kind of, if I can do those three things on my Tuesday, that's um, a good business day. Yeah. Yeah. I try and link in with coaching. I try and listen to something inspirational, like a podcast or something mm. like that. Um, yeah, so that's what I try and do. Um, it doesn't work perfectly all the time, um, but all our team meetings are on Wednesdays. So any meeting is Wednesdays are our team office mm. um, meeting day. So that's, um, you know, we've just systemised the week. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I'm a big fan of the static default diary, as you know. You've got to block, block it to rock it. You've got to book appointments with yourself. You know, you need that hour, hour and a half on finances. You need yes. that hour on stakeholder referrers, marketing. You need that hour to develop, you know, the next bunch of systems or what have you. So is it Tuesday, Wednesday that are your business-facing yep. and team-facing days? Yep. And then Thursday I kind of have report writing day. Friday I do outreach to so go and see clients. And Mondays I kind of a catch-up. Um, you know, lots of little follow-up clinical jobs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Generally, that's uh, Monday. Yeah. So that's my week works generally well like that. Um, yeah, and I quite like it. It's quite clear in my head what, mm. what I'm doing. Do you think your clinical CEO ratio will change up across the rest of this year? 
Uh, yes, I still do love the clinical work. Uh, no, you do. I really do. Yeah. And I really, I, I do, I, I know that I need to reduce my clinical load to keep on going with what we're doing because it's not, basically it's not sustainable what I'm doing. Um, but I, yeah, I still do love it. But in the next, in years to come, in a few years, I will probably have a very, mm. very low clinical load. Mm. What do you think the next couple of years are going to look like? Yeah, well, hopefully we have some more awesome team members come yeah. on board. That would be wonderful. Um, and I will reduce my clinical load and do kind of more clinical government governance, business planning and development, mm. bigger picture stuff, um, all with help from um, our wonderfully new, newly appointed practice manager. Um, so I'm thinking the practice management role will help as well yeah. significantly with business mm. development um, and allow me to continue to do a bit of clinical stuff um, for the foreseeable future. I haven't taken on a new client for 12 months. Um, it's just the people that we work with are mm. very disabled and need a lot of input. And, yeah. um, and I had a ridiculously high caseload end of 2022 because um, I had this idea I needed to drum up work. Um, the end of 2020? Sorry, yes, end of 2020, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. doing all of the hours for all of the people. Mm. Yeah. What's cool about what you've done, there's a lot of cool about what you've done, but um, you've built out, you've, you've just started systemising and bringing systems thinking right across the team so that the practice manager has got something to work with. But a lot of people kind of hesitate. They feel as though they're not ready to have any customer service support or they're not ready to have a practice manager because they haven't got all of the systems. Mm. So you've sort of brought a PM in at a point where you're, you know, on, on track and making progress, but you haven't got it all done. And the longer you wait to bring in customer service or reception staff, admin staff, practice manager, the more work there is and the steeper the onboarding and the steeper the the um, the load for them as well. Um, mm. I think the, um, you know, the kind of support crew for the work that we do is crucial. I don't think we could do what we could do without, especially, well, our customer support um, has been around since the day go. Um, yeah, and it's crucial to what we do. Yeah, yeah. So. Coming off the back of COVID, um, I was just reading an article this morning about how it's starting to be endemic rather than pandemic. Okay. Um, what are your kind of thoughts for, you know, perhaps the rest of 22 in this post-COVID environment? Hmm. Yeah. Yep, COVID, COVID has definitely impacted things for us. Um, our caseload is very report-heavy, mm. so... A pro of that is you can work at home easily during a COVID pandemic and get still be doing, you know, Catch up. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Just get get up to where up. you're meant to be. Yes, exactly. Mm. Um, so that's definitely been a pro. Um, I mean, there's cons of that as well, mm. being a report-heavy caseload. But I think COVID, you know, I've bought laptops with screens instead of desktops, so if we need yeah. to work from home, it's quite easy. Um, we've done lots of, and this is still developing, of trying, you know, lots of screening before doing home visits and trying to minimise mm. time directly with clients and those kind of things. But I'm thinking, and, and also supporting the teams through this mm. stressful time, you know, people, 
and supporting our participants and reassuring them that we're doing everything we can for our safety and their safety. And so lots of kind of leadership and support has been required during COVID as well. Um, but I think I'm hoping it will be business as usual with caution and consideration mm. of COVID context. Um, that's what I'm aiming for and working for. But I haven't, you know, I've definitely put some things in place of buying laptops instead of desktops. And, yeah, yeah. I guess from the conversations that I have with business owners, it's um, it's kind of they've developed a lot of really good team leadership, business management skills on the back of COVID that they may not have kind of got to perhaps as quickly or in such a, an elaborate manner. And I, I think, you know, most businesses I speak with, they'll come into contact with, they've got a risk matrix happening now Um, they take infection control so much more seriously than perhaps they might have two years ago Uh, they're thinking about flexibility for their teams and that work can happen in lots of different ways in lots of different locations as well Um, so there is some silver lining to COVID in terms of strengthening business skills team uh, team safety what are your what are your kind of key takeaways from it yeah for sure I I would definitely um agree with that that um you know that the safety risk and putting those things Mm. in place um has been you know it's been challenging as well you've kind of had to change and react and um but also just I think just coming back to the basics people were really scared and anxious Mm. and you just had to be human and go it's okay like you know let's just down tools um stay at home and work out what we're going to do tomorrow <laughs> was kind yeah. of the initial response. We haven't been hit terribly with COVID. In, um, I mean, we've definitely have had exposure and those kind of things, but nothing in comparison to Sydney and Melbourne. And um, one thing we haven't done is embrace the telehealth, which I know um, a lot of other private mm. practice providers. Yeah, we haven't done that. And I suppose the need for that hasn't been as high with our report heavy caseload. Um, and it's, yeah, I still find it really hard to imagine how to script a wheelchair or home mods. I mean, I know people are doing it, but we just, we haven't got there yet. Um, because you think we you haven't. Will? I don't know. Well, we haven't had to. And I yeah. kind of react to a need kind of thing. Yeah. And we haven't had to. Also, there's logistical problems of internet reception. A lot of places we see don't have internet reception, um, but it's just not available on the farm that we go to. So there's some logistics around that as well. And we were talking before recording uh, about, yeah, you know, just IT knowledge and access to hardware and the apps and the systems and mm. so on and so forth it's really highlighted the great what was it the digital divide who has and who hasn't mm. got the uh got the goods and the and the skill set for it as well mm. Mm. actually that's probably one thing i wish i had uh, a greater just knack and natural skill for it I really wish yeah. I was a bit IT whiz thing. But then I thought, no, I don't need that. I'll just employ someone. I'll employ someone that can do it. Yeah, that's the approach we've taken uh, in our business is if we um, or when we identify a project that exceeds our 
capability and probably our capacity as well, we go out to market and find people that we really want to work with and people who have got that skill set, but people who also want to come in and work with us to do the work together and develop the systems around it and kind of leave that legacy there uh, for us to kind of fly with. Um, It's not always helpful for us to kind of bring in, well, I don't think we ever have, bring in consultants that just tell us what to do. We actually like that collaboration and that learning. And in some ways we can strengthen their work, uh, but they leave us with great infrastructure so Mm. that we're kind of good to go on the other side. So that could be well your experience with IT going forward. Yeah. I also quickly learned um, that I can't be everything and I never for a moment tried Mm. to be everything. Mm. I just thought, right, I need... I need all of these people around me to help and um, do this because I will stuff up the bookkeeping. You know, I would make mistakes of things that I'm not great at. Yeah. So, yeah, it takes a village. It takes a village. It does. Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah. So, what would be kind of your uh, parting words of wisdom for perhaps for business owners that are sitting there in solopreneur land who are thinking, will I, won't I? Well, I won't. I trip the wire and build the team and build the name. Yeah. Yep. I think what my, I was going to say my, I I mean, I would just have a go. I would just, so what I I listen to a lot of different types of podcasts, a lot of, and I love listening to other people's stories and inspirational stories of what people have done and pinching their ideas and implementing it into our team and our practices so I would I would just embrace it and go with it, get the support crew around you, get really great people around you mm-hmm. and be, in my experience, be committed to work quite hard for a period of time to get it really well set up so it doesn't depend on you long term. Um, Give it a go. Oh, them. yeah, I, yeah, I've. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've really, really loved it. And I have also found my new, a couple of years ago, I was trying to um, think of a different career path. I was thinking, you know, I don't know, I was a bit done with OT. and um, But I've definitely found my new passion for OT and this is this is my perfect ride for the foreseeable future, I think. Um, That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, three kids in tow and I was like, oh, let's keep doing this. Um, but now I've really, really, really found my, and I wanted to be passionate because I was always really passionate and I've lost the passion and maybe that was motherhood, maybe that was, I don't know, the stage of life or something. Um, but now I've found my passion again with supporting the team and creating great systems and just loving it. So I would embrace it, give it a go, get the support crew around, um, listen to listen to inspirational people. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing your uh, your adventure. Oh, that's okay. Thanks for having me. I hope that's been helpful. Oh, for sure. Thank you. Thanks, Kathy. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. For show notes and other resources, please visit practicemadeperfectpodcast.com. While you are there, you can subscribe for future episodes and continue your business adventure with me. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues. 
The Private Practice Made Perfect podcast is brought to you by Experts on Air Podcast Network.